This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy Lord's Day. What a joy to gather with the saints on this day as we worship and remember our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 9 in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a prophecy that was written a long time before Jesus was born. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. This is God's word. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zembulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as, as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So this morning, I want us to focus in on verse 6. And from verse 6, I want to point out two things. That is, one, the gift of the Son, and secondly, the name of the Son. The gift of the Son and the name of the Son. It's helpful for us as we read Scripture, as we sit under the preaching of God's Word, that we understand and look at the context, what is going on around this passage. Well, in chapter 8, verse 22, we actually see a glimpse of this. It says, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick Darkness. What we see in Isaiah is that the nation of Israel, the people of God, have sinned and rebelled against their God. The very God that created them, the very God that saved them, the very God that rescued them. We see this all the way back in chapter 1, verse 22. I mean, chapter 1, verse 2. 
which says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. God's people have turned away from him. They have rebelled against him. They have sinned against him. And so as a result, they are in darkness because of their own sin and because of what they've done against God in rebelling against him. So kids, what that means then is that the nation of Israel was on the naughty list. And one of the things that we see over and one of the themes that we see over and over and over and over and over and over in scripture is the nature of God. Isaiah had a glimpse of this in chapter six, verse three. These are the the angels who are speaking to one another and one called to one another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy, which means he is set apart. He is different. He is transcendent above his entire creation. He's in a category, if we could even use that word, all by himself. He is perfect and pure John tells us that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And so the nation of Israel rebels against their God, and God does not sweep sin under the rug. He doesn't look the other way. He deals with it because he's a just and good God. And so these people are in darkness. But it doesn't, it doesn't stay that way. Verse 2 of chapter 9 tells us the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So these people who were walking in darkness, who were, as verse 1 tells us, in gloom and in anguish, thrust into thick darkness, rebellion against their creator, there was a light that appeared. They have seen this great light. Matthew gives us some insight into this because this section here is actually quoted in Matthew after Jesus was baptized and then tempted. He begins his ministry. And if you're familiar with the story, you might know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He's sometimes referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. But do you know where Jesus lived for a time? This is Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. 
It says, now when he, that is Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Jesus went to live in a dark, dark place. The son who took on flesh went to live in a dark place filled with people who are sinful and wicked and depraved and stand guilty before God. The light has come. The light has been shown in the darkness. They who were living in a land of darkness, now they see this great light. And what happens? What's, what's the purpose of this all? That's what verse 6 tells us, right? That it's to us a child is born and a son is given. Because in fact, it's not just, it's not just Israel who was on the naughty list or the other nations. In fact, it was all of humanity that's on a naughty list because we have all rebelled against God. And the thing is, we don't deserve coal. We deserve something far worse. That is spending an eternity in hell because of our sins. But God in his kindness did not leave us there. He sends a son, the son, the light of the world to shine in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome him. Jesus Christ, the son of God takes on humanity. And what then happens to him is that he himself is the one who is cast out into utter darkness, bearing the wrath of God upon himself so that we might have life. This is an amazing gift, and it's a gift given to us. We are the recipients of this wonderful gift from God. So have you received him? Have you received this gracious gift until we understand that we too once were depraved and far away from God and how holy God is, we will never appreciate the gift that is Jesus Christ. So have you received him? Or are you walking in darkness? Are you rebelling against your creator? The very God who made you in his image. 
Have you turned away from him? Have you rejected him? Well, today he he calls out to you to turn to him in faith. You cannot earn your way to God, and yet he comes down to us in the person of Christ that you might receive him. And how wonderful it is that on Christmas Day 2022, you can receive life, eternal life. Now let's look at the name of the son. We have four names here laid out for us in verse six. The first one is wonderful counselor. Jesus, the son, is wonderful. He does wonderful things. You look at his life and he does all these wonderful, miraculous signs. He is wonderful in himself. As you study the scriptures and you see the nature of God, you see a God who does not change, a God who does not lie, a God who is faithful, who remains the same, a God who is good and perfect and just. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. That he's wise. He has all wisdom. He is, as Paul says, the very wisdom of God. Do you see him as such? Is there, is there an awe when you ponder and reflect and think about Christ? One of the ways that we can grow in our awe of Christ is simply to look at him. As you look at Christ, as you ponder all his works, your awe will increase. Your gratitude for him and what, has, what he has done for you will increase. As you ponder this wonderful gift that is Jesus, you will grow in appreciation and adoration of him. He's also the mighty God. The mighty God. He is powerful. He is strong. And it's amazing here that Isaiah says that he is the mighty God. And yet a few sentences before he says he is a child and a son. So how is it that this child and son can also be God? The incarnation. God taking on human flesh. The God man. Not 50% God and 50% man, but truly God and truly man. We also see in verse 6 that the government shall be upon his shoulder because he is the mighty God. It is not a burden for him. Nothing is a burden for him. 
He is so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. God is stronger than anything that we can imagine or think of. And so don't think that your your problems, your heartaches are something that is a burden for God. That you don't want to weary God with your prayer request. The same prayer that you've been asking for months and years as if God is getting annoyed. He's not getting annoyed with you. He can take it. He's also called the everlasting father. Now at first we might scratch our heads and wonder how is it that the son is called the everlasting father? Because as Christians, we believe and confess that there is a triune God who is the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. So how is it that the Son is called the everlasting Father? Well, I don't think that Isaiah is is confused here and doesn't know anything about the doctrine of the Trinity what I think Isaiah is trying to point here, point out here is that Jesus as the everlasting father has a fatherly care for his people. We must maintain distinctions within the Trinity or lest we fall into modalism, which then says that the father became the son, the son became the spirit as if God is wearing three different hats. The Son remains distinct from the Father and the Spirit. And at the same time, the, the Son can be called the everlasting Father because of his care for his people. You see this in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, where Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, who loves his sheep, who cares for his sheep. A long time ago, there was a song, Christmas song. You might be familiar with it. It goes something like this. I'm not going to sing it. It goes something like, it's the most wonderful Time of the year. And perhaps when you hear that song or you think about the Christmas season, you're thinking it is not the most wonderful time of the year. Perhaps there has been a death of a loved one, some tragedy that has occurred. Some type of suffering, divorce, miscarriage. And this season is one that is really, really difficult. How can it be the most wonderful time of the year when my loved one is gone? How can it be the most wonderful time of the year when I'm going through this horrific tragedy right now?
Jesus is the only one who can both reconcile you to God and comfort your weary heart. In the midst of sadness for you during this time, hardships during this time, there is an an everlasting God. As Jesus is called here, the everlasting father who holds you, as Deuteronomy says, in his everlasting arms. Who comforts you. Who holds on to you so that you are safe and secure and dearly loved. A God who will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. He will never drop you out of his arms. He will continue to hold on to you. In the midst of all that you go through, he will be your everlasting father that you can trust And he's also the prince of peace. Look at verse 7 of Isaiah 9. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it. With justice and with righteousness, for this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus rules in justice and righteousness. He's a perfect prince who, as he rose from the grave, he has inherited all the nations. So that all those in this world are under the authority of this prince. But not all submit to him. So if you have not yet bowed the knee to him, he calls you to follow him, to trust in him, to receive him by putting your faith in him. Because we were once enemies of this king, this prince. We've committed treason against him, and yet this prince is the one who has taken the penalty upon himself so that you may have peace with him. He has reconciled us to God. And so now the kingdom of Christ is actually visibly seen on earth. Where is it seen? Local churches are the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God because Christ is our king. We are his people. And one day the king shall return. There's much hostility and war and disaster, but when the king returns, there will be ultimate peace. 
There's, there's no more tragedy. No more sin. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more affliction. Kids, no more homework. You will be with your king for all of eternity with everlasting joy, everlasting peace. With his kingdom, there is no end. No end. We cannot fathom eternity. Sometimes we might say, oh, this is taking forever. Really? (laughs) We cannot fathom eternal joy and peace. And our Savior came to give us rest. And so every Sunday is a glimpse of this eternal Sabbath rest that we will have when Christ comes back. Next year, there are 53 Sundays. Give yourself to God's people and worship him because one day when he returns and we will be in the new heavens and the new earth, we will be saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain and worshiping him for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. You are good and amazing. And it's so wonderful, Lord, that you, before the world was even created, planned to save us through your son, Jesus Christ. That you and your kindness would punish your son instead of us so that we might be saved. And so, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Our great God and Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in our adoration of your son, Jesus Christ. May he be praised and honored and glorified through our lives in our church in Ozaki County, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you will sanctify us, draw us closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in the precious name of, of your son, the Prince of Peace. Amen.